Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset, and mental health. Are you feeling tired or are you under stress? Are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed? Well, I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years. Calm is the number one app for meditation, relaxation and sleep. With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life Podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10 minute meditation every day, 100 plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80 plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counseling sessions, and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics, including gratitude, happiness, and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations, and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm Premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time the mindful life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded We recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and thanks for joining me for episode number 38 of the Mindful Life podcast. In today's episode, I talk about a single session workshop I ran back in September. The Mindful Family Parenting Workshop was a sellout on two separate occasions and I'll be running it again later this week. The 2.5-hour session, a combination of parenting and mindfulness education, along with practical hands-on strategies and activities, was widely attended by mums and dads. 
Together we explored the childhood developmental stages, emotional and behavioural regulation, along with behaviour management and the importance of boundaries, limits and consequences, and the impact role modelling has on our children's behaviour. Most importantly, I emphasise the importance of calm, present, available parents and caregivers to assist children to manage their own emotional and behavioural regulation and ultimately to create a calm, happy home environment. So today I'd like to talk about uh, a one-off workshop that I ran on two occasions back in September, the Mindful Family Parenting Workshop. So it's a workshop for parents and carers and it's a combination of parenting and mindfulness education along with practical strategies and activities. So together in this two and a half hour session we explore the childhood developmental stages along with what can happen when uh, these developmental stages are interrupted. We talk about emotional regulation and behavioural management and the importance of positive parental and adult role modelling to children's behaviour. We also explore a range of specific activities and strategies that can assist you as parents and carers to create a more calm, relaxed, mindful family and home in general. And as part of the course fee, you will also receive a comprehensive handbook to refer to that will also include a number of family-friendly meditation scripts. These are scripts that I use in my kids' mindfulness program for parents to take home and use with their children. So the workshop itself, what does it cover? We begin by uh, introducing ourselves and I get participants to uh, talk a little bit about their own children and some of the uh, challenges that they face with their parenting. So it is a judgment-free space. We are just there to listen and to support. Uh, we then go on to talk about Erickson's stages of development. So this can be really helpful for us to understand uh, children's behaviour. So Erickson talks about this idea that there are eight stages of development that we achieve throughout our life from birth through to old age and death. So these stages of development cover things like uh, trust, autonomy, um, achieving initiative and industry. Uh, they're also around our identity and our needs for intimacy and also um, around our um, I suppose in terms of industry, what we achieve and what we can contribute to society. So having an understanding of uh, what happens when these developmental milestones aren't reached or are interrupted can help us to understand uh, why uh, our children are presenting with difficult behaviours. For example, if um, a child experiences a trauma or there's a significant change during um, you know, one of their developmental milestones, perhaps they're a toddler and um, something traumatic happens or there's a significant change, uh, there may be an interruption to their development. So they may regress, um, they may not achieve toilet training or they may develop some issues with their behaviour and it can help us to understand uh, why children regress and why their behaviours present as difficult if we can um, develop an understanding around uh, the impact of these changes um, and these difficulties to a child. We then go to talk... Uh, 
go on to talk about role modeling and the importance of role modeling. So this idea that children are born largely as a blank canvas in terms of their ways of thinking and behavior. Um, of course, you know, they're born with their parental DNA, uh, but this does little to influence their behavior and their way of being in the world. So I explore this idea that um, subconscious mind and unconscious learning play a big role in children's learning and that children are always learning. They're a sponge. So from the time, um, you know, they can take in every sight and sound, they're absorbing, absorbing everything that they can see and hear and so we are effectively hypnotizing our child or our children from a very young age so just considering that every person um, that your child is exposed to from a very young age is having a very strong influence um, on who they are and how they behave and role modeling is the most effective way to teach and for children to learn so regardless of the gender of your child, I mean, they do say that the strongest role model for a child is the same-sex parent, but regardless of your gender, you are your child's mirror. They will learn to reflect back to you what you are displaying. Um, so it goes without saying that the adults that come into your children's lives are incredibly influential and they play a significant role uh, in the kind of adults that children become. So just being aware of that I think is really important who are we allowing into our children's lives we then go on to talk about emotions and that emotions are a very normal part of life and that they're a given and children in particular have many emotions and in any given day they may have a whole myriad of emotions um, and that we actually should encourage children to display emotions repression repressing emotions is unhealthy and we need to allow our children to feel safe enough to let it out. And so children do very quickly develop um, an understanding of where it is safe and not so safe to display their emotions. Um, they can often hold it together at, um, at school or at childcare or kinder or even at grandparents' place or out in public and then when they get home they tend to drop their bundles. So just having an understanding that parents are the child's safety beacon and we're the safe place for them to express their emotions. So it's not unusual for children to uh, have a great day at school and then come home and lose it uh, because they feel safe to, to let down their guard when they're at home. So in terms of helping children to manage their emotions, it's really important to first and foremost name the emotion without focusing on the behaviour. Say something like, I can see that you are sad or I can see that you are angry. The research tells us that if we name the emotion, it validates it and it can lessen the impact. Have a think about what's underneath the emotion. So anger, for example, is often the bodyguard of other emotions. Be your child's safety beacon when they're experiencing big emotions. Don't be afraid to give them comfort. If there is a negative behavior, this can be dealt with once the storm's passed. So connect with your child, offer them comfort, uh, and then later on you can talk to them about their behavior. So this is really important and it's a challenge for us all. Be the adult, remain calm. You don't need to join into the chaos. Children are looking to you to be their guide. If you are not calm, they will not find their calm. So remember you're your child's mirror. It's been this way since they were a baby. If you react to them, then of course they are going to escalate. And allow kids to see your emotions. Talk to your child about the whole range of emotions and normalize feelings. 
it's really important that we also model appropriate ways of managing our emotions, and this includes our responses to conflict. Remember, your child is watching you all the time, and this becomes their template. Practice acceptance. Accept that children at times simply do not have the ability to self-regulate. This will kick in at around uh, eight years, but even then there will be times that they have trouble doing it. Work to reduce uh, the stress in your family. So a highly uh, stressful environment will uh, create an emotional child. Teach your child calming strategies such as breathing techniques. Three deep breaths will reduce cortisol. Uh, levels and promote calm and spend quality time and where possible one-on-one time with your child talk to them ask them about their life this may reduce the bottling up or the pushing down of emotions and consider sleep what we know is that sleep plays a big role in emotional regulation tired and sleep deprived children will be more emotional so behavior Difficult behaviour is very common and expected throughout childhood. So I get lots of parents coming to me talking about their child's difficult behaviour. Children are finding their way and their brains are still growing and developing. So many frustrations can arise. This is very normal. And big emotions can also lead to reactivity and negative behaviours. So let children know that their emotions are fine. They're completely acceptable. It's what comes after the emotion that usually causes problems. Back to modelling. So modelling is very important when it comes to children's behaviour. It really is a case of monkey see, monkey do. So it's important that we model appropriate behaviours to children. This is vital. Set some bottom lines with your child. Let them know that violence will not be tolerated, nor will property damage. Let them know that both of these are abusive behaviours and that they're a crime and can get them into trouble with the law. So yelling and screaming, including swearing, are also abusive behaviours. Let children know this is not okay and check yourself and the rest of the family. You know, I have adults that come to me regularly and say, look, you know, I'm always yelling and screaming. Uh, And I've had children report to me that parents swear at them. So if adults are swearing, yelling and screaming, they can't expect the children to not engage in this behaviour. And I think, look at that behaviour. Does the yelling, screaming and swearing get your needs met? From what parents tell me, no, it usually doesn't. So we can accept that it's normal for children uh, at times to display negative behaviours. However, this does not mean that we don't challenge it. We absolutely must challenge these behaviours. It's important to encourage children to take responsibility for their actions and not to blame others. Behaviour is a choice. So this is really important to address address this in childhood. I have adults that come to me that say that they behaved in a certain way because someone made them angry or someone pushed their buttons. So teaching children that yes, people can push their buttons and yes, they can become angry because of someone else's behaviour, but their reactions are still their choice and they must take responsibility. So give consequences for unacceptable behaviour. If boundaries and consequences are not set, we are colluding with and enabling the behaviour. And this will, of course, continue. Boundaries. So boundaries are so important uh, for children and an important part of their their development. They make children feel safe and secure and they assist with behavioural regulation. So setting part, setting boundaries and having um, limits, it's a big part of adult life. Without boundaries, our needs are not met and anxiety can be created. 
So children do need constant uh, assistance and reminders in regards to boundaries. This is the role of us as parents and caregivers. So children do learn boundaries from their caregivers through literally setting of boundaries and through adults role modeling boundaries. When we give in to our children, as many of us do, I've been guilty of this, we are teaching them that boundaries are not important. So when we don't give in, we're teaching children that boundaries are, are really important and that we as parents can set those boundaries. And this sets them up for life because boundaries and limits are everywhere in life. When children do not have boundaries set for them or parents constantly change boundaries, children then have trouble setting their own boundaries throughout life. So caregivers setting boundaries for children becomes the template for their own boundary setting later in life. So consequences, and I know this is a hard one. I often get parents uh, asking me around consequences and what sort of consequences to set. Uh, sometimes I hear the most ridiculous consequences, parents taking um, you know, a screen or um, you know, something off a child for 12 months, uh, something like that is going to lose its value. So consequences, just like boundaries, are a vital way to manage behaviour. Throughout life, we are faced with consequences every day. So children need consequences to understand that every action has a reaction. So of course, just like with boundaries, it's vital to follow through with consequences. This is a not negotiable. And I think this is a hard one for parents. We do tend to give in. Uh, we, we can be uh, swayed quite easily by a screaming child or a child who is constantly nagging us to have a device back or to have the consequence removed. So children do need to be able to 100% predict what the consequence of any given behavior will be. Work out your child's currency. Discuss this with them when they are rational. So that's important. I wouldn't be discussing uh, a consequence with a child during an emotional or behavioural storm. Uh, and just tell them it'll be a not negotiable. When things are calm, discuss the consequence and say this will be a not negotiable. That way they can uh, expect, they, they know what to expect. Short, sharp consequences, no more than 24 hours. So back to what I was saying at the beginning, giving a consequence that lasts 6, 12 months or, or giving a consequence that's a long way away. You know, you're not going to that um, school trip next year because of what you did today. It's, it, the consequences have to be in the moment and short and sharp and they say no more than 24 hours. That way children can get back on track and they say that they lose their effect um, if they're any longer than about 24 hours. I know this, you know, it's probably hard to hear. People probably think, well, you know, 24 hours isn't very long, but we all make mistakes and it's just about uh, being in the moment, moving on and, um, yeah, letting it go. Where possible, focus on and encourage positive behaviour and ignore negative behaviours. But, of course, always consider safety. Do not hold a grudge. Once it's done, repair and move on. So I work with parents who will often bring up things with kids. Oh, you know, you did this six months ago. Let it go. You've given the consequence. We all make mistakes. Let's move on. So united parenting. Now, this is a challenge. Uh, we live in a society now where one in two marriages will end in divorce. Uh, many children that I work with in my Kids Mindfulness Program and kids that I see for counselling are from 
uh, separated families. So it's vital for parents to present uh, as a united front, particularly when managing children. This is important even for parents who are no longer living together. And I know this presents many challenges uh, for parents, but it can be done. I've seen it done. Uh, parents no longer together um, presenting as, as united parents. So this parental unity sends a strong message of stability and safety to children. Children very quickly learn that they can play one parent off against the other. You need to have each other's back and constantly back each other up in your dealings with your children. If there's something you don't agree on, I know this is hard again, discuss it away from the children. One parent undermine, undermining the other does not work and it sends a message of fracture and instability to the child. Where possible, avoid, avoid arguments in front of children and avoid asking children to take sides in parental conflict. This isn't fair and I see it a lot in my work. Avoid running the other parent down to your child. Again, this isn't fair, it puts the child in the middle. A shitty partner does not necessarily equal a shitty parent. Respect and encourage a positive relationship between your child and their other parent. And keep children out of adult issues, including money worries extended family disputes and even gossip. So I hear this in my kids' mindfulness class. Kids will say, you know, mum and dad can't afford it or mum's fighting with nan or, you know, kids will even talk about uh, some of their parents' personal issues. So where possible, discuss that stuff away from kids. So technology, and I'm actually going to do a whole episode on uh, screen addiction and the way our screens uh, really do influence uh, our parenting and our children's behaviour. So this will be brief. Uh, we are living in an era where we are more connected than ever via technology, and this has many positive benefits. However, uh, after some 25 years of the internet and around 10 years of smartphone use, we are now seeing many negative effects, particularly on behaviour and, and relationships. So we're dealing with screen addiction and many associated negative behaviours. Um, so screen addiction, look, or screen use, uh, it's been found that excessive screen use can inhibit the production of the connection hormone oxytocin. So oxytocin is only produced as a result of close contact with those that we love. So the more quality uh, connected time we spend together, the more oxytocin or love chemical we produce. So it stands to reason that our screen use is affecting the quality of our connection with others. So that's not rocket science. Uh, the bottom line is there is that our screen use is uh, affecting our relationships, but science has now backed it. They're now saying that we're producing less oxytocin as a result of being in such a, a strong relationship with our screens. So excessive screen use is causing sleep issues. The blue light on devices impacts melatonin production and we need sufficient melatonin for quality sleep. Health professionals such as optometrists and chiropractors are also reporting an influx of eye and neck issues, particularly in children due to excessive screen use. And in my role, I'm seeing a number of children struggling with screen addiction, refusing to go to school, um, because they don't want to be away from their screens. And there's also this idea that some of the violent games can promote uh, violent tendencies as well. 
children are engaging less and less in, in imaginative play in favour of using their screens. They're not outdoor as, outdoors as much as they used to be. And look, in terms of adolescence, it's usually a time where kids become more insular anyway. And screens are adding to and enabling this. So teens are spending less and less real face-to-face -face time with family and friends and more time on their screens. So in terms of screen use, don't be afraid to put boundaries uh, in around device use. There's a reason why the creators of Apple products did not allow their children to have them. So uh, Steve Jobs didn't allow his kids to have any Apple products because he knew that they were addictive. Um, so like gaming sh machines, these devices, phones um, and iPads have been designed to create addiction as has uh, a lot of the apps, um, the games and social media apps have also been programmed to promote addiction. Again, as with everything, role, model is, role modeling is extremely important in reducing our kids' screen time. So monkey see, monkey do. If kids see parents on screens, the behavior is normalized. Uh, parents need to practice self-awareness and reduce their own screen time. I know this is a choice. I think all of us are, are struggling with screen addiction. You know, we need to be honest here. We need to take responsibility. I think there's a lot of denial and a lot of avoidance out there. Uh, but I see parents spending a lot of time on their screens and I've been guilty of it too. So if we're expecting kids to cut down on screen use, we need to model that uh, as parents. So finding calm. You know, how can we as parents create a calm household? You know, I've talked a little bit here about emotional regulation, behaviours um, and consequences and limits. I think probably one of the most important things we can do as parents is create a calm household. As I said earlier, if we are yelling and screaming and there's a lot of conflict in the household, this behaviour is normalised. Uh, and we are showing children that it's okay to behave and react this way. So finding calm in your household. Slowing down is the beginning of finding calm for the family. Uh, doing less and just being. And I know this is really hard. You know, we have a lot of things we all have to do in our day. But maybe it's about prioritising. Maybe it's about looking at your schedule and just slowing down. Of course, less screen time, including TV where possible. Be aware of what is on even in the background. Replace TV noise with calming music. So I quite often have kids tell me that parents have uh, the news on in the background. I have kids tell me that parents uh, and children sit in front of the TV watching the news while they're eating their dinner. So just being aware of what children are absorbing. I don't think children need to be watching the news, particularly while they're eating dinner. So create that calm environment. Uh, having calming music playing at school pickup time, engaging games and fun activities. Family game nights are great. Family holidays are also a great, great way to spend quality time. Exercising as a family, going for a bike ride or a walk, even basic yoga movements or simple stretching will help to create calm and lower the stress hormone cortisol. Making sure everyone is getting sufficient sleep. As I said earlier, sleep deprivation or even poor quality sleep will raise cortisol levels. And we all become a bit agitated, a bit uh, emotional when we haven't had enough sleep. Teach your children the skill of meditation. It's simple. Just breathe or be guided by an app or use a script.
So I guess there's, you know, there's a lot more within that course, but I thought I'd just pr uh, present a little bit of a, a snapshot um, of what my uh, mindful parenting workshop is all about. Um, I've had some great feedback from parents. I had a number of dads attend back in September who found it very, very helpful. Um, it's such a challenge parenting. No one gives us a manual. There is no script to follow. Many of us are doing it blindly. Uh, many of us are basing our parenting on the way we were parented. And I think things have changed so much. You know, we can't parent the way our parents parented us in the 70s, 80s or 90s because things have just changed uh, immensely. You know, there were no devices back then. There were far less challenges or the challenges were different. So I think it's important as parents that we keep educating ourselves. We keep asking the questions and we keep um, looking for ways to improve our parenting. So thank you for stopping by to listen to today's episode of My Mindful uh, family parenting workshop. It's on tomorrow night. There's still places available. Um, I may run it again in 2020, I think because it was so helpful and people got so much out of it. Um, I probably will look at running it again. So if you have learned something today or found it helpful, please feel free to share this episode. You never know, it just might help or even enlighten someone else. And if you are listening via a podcast that allows you to leave a review, please consider leaving a few kind, encouraging words and hitting those stars. And until next time, may you have peace in your thoughts and your hearts and share it with others. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. You've been listening to the Mindful Life podcast with your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm.